welcome to Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to each other so they can find out once and for all who has better taste, film-wise. Uh, I'm Sam, I'm joined as always by Hugh. Hugh, how are you, mate? Alright, mate. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Uh, um, yeah, good. Yourself? Good, yeah. That's the energy. We're going to keep constant all the way through the episode. I'm good. It's half term. <laughs> All yeah. is well. Yeah. Even better than all that shite, though, is we have, returning for the 150th time on episode 93, Benji Dawson. Ben, how have you been? <laughs> hello, Ben. Yeah, hello, hello. I thought I'd come <laughs> back on, keep my uh, appearances up. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want anyone else taking that record. What no. was your last one? So what got it. Last one Jaws. <laughs> Sam, what was the last film? I don't know. We've started to forget now. Yeah, Jaws. Was it what, was weird, what was weird about that was I went I went to my mum and dad's at the weekend after we did it and I, and um, it was late and I just got back and I said, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, we just watched Jaws. And I was like, what? Jaws is the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, what podcast? <laughs> it's nice to know that we feature heavily the Dawson's uh, household. <laughs> and yeah, for some reason, want to keep it secret. Conversation. Conversation. <laughs> I have to be careful what um, I say now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, speaking of guests and so on, we recently guested on uh, our good friend Dakota Arsenault's uh, excellent podcast, Contrazoom Pod, where we discussed Goon and The Damned United in a little uh, sporty cultural swap. Do head on over to Contrazoom Pod, available on all podcast platforms. Hello, Dakota, as well. We know you're a, a, a fond listener. Hugh, did you have fun on uh, Contrazoom? Yeah, I had a great time. Uh, I enjoyed learning all the obscure things about hockey, basically. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was and educating um, our Canadian friend on uh, football in the nineteen seventies, the via the medium of Brian Clough. I mean, what's <laughs> not to love about doing all that? It was hard not to go on beyond digression. It had to be said. Uh, you, you did a heroic effort to get it down to a, a manageable podcast length, given how much we talked about. God knows what from uh, from football, uh, but yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. I mean, um, he's, he, he did he cut an hour out of it? I think about an hour of, uh, of other stuff, but I, re- I respect him for it because it's a film podcast, yeah. <laughs> and we did talk a lot of <laughs> shit about football. So, we rarely talked about the film, didn't we? He, and he did a good job. I thought it was a seamless job. So well done there, Dakota. Um, ben, are you uh, a big fan of Goon and or Canadian sports? I've not <laughs> seen Goon, but I have been to an ice hockey game in Vancouver. Did, um, were you disappointed when an ice hockey game broke out to the fight you went to? <laughs> no, I was disappointed that the ice hockey game broke out to an advert I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, <laughs> it stopped so many times. An advert, pick someone in the crowd, you've won a car. What? <laughs> that was an ice hockey game going on. <laughs> I can't, like, it was weird seeing that about five people won a car. Like... <laughs> And I know about five different types of alcohol to buy in Vancouver. <laughs> was it the kiss cam? Well, the ice hockey was fun. <laughs> was it like a kiss cam? I saw a lot of people in the crowd. I saw a lot of people <laughs> up on the big screen. The yeah. Jumbotron. The Jumbotron. Yeah. It, was a, it was a strange experience after going to, you know, a football match <laughs> in England. <laughs> Where you tre- we tre- as hostile as possible. Come into this match, are you? It was fun, it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. Because, uh, like, it's just it's so different to how we do it. Like, so different. 
Were they like, give give us a V, give us Yeah, a were they good chance or was it all girl <laughs> hockey? <laughs> give us an N. Yeah. It, it was it was a lot more friendly experience, but that way <laughs> it was uh it but the, the the actual ice hockey was yeah it was intense it was like fa- it's it's ridiculously fast ridiculously fast can you follow, the, can you follow the puck in real life when you're at not know. not really not but like i could tell like you know where where they were chasing it yeah <laughs> but <laughs> it's so fast like they've got so much skill it's ridiculous like yeah i was i was like ridiculously jet lagged at the time um, <laughs> so everything was fast and so maybe that maybe that was everything was a blur. You maybe climb, everyone maybe know. maybe everyone else was following it perfectly fine. Well, you know, listener, if you're interested in hearing um, some English people talking about hockey and some Canadian people talking about football and vice versa, then head over to ContraZoom. Um, let's get into this week's episode though, and our very own podcast. We've been watching what must be our fourth or fifth black and white film, and it's 1960s The Apartment. Um, written and directed by the great Billy Wilder. Uh, Hugh, before we get into all the specifics and so on, what did you know about the apartment before you watched I it? Didn't know anything about the apartment. I didn't even know what it was about. I didn't. I, I didn't. I, this week, I even avoided reading the IMDb well um, like description of the film. So I was completely. Everything was unexpected. I didn't. I had no idea what was happening what it was about what was happening and it was only when obviously I started watching the film that I think you mentioned it like the premise of the film on a few months ago in one of the podcasts maybe when we did Brief Encounter I think right um yeah that's so, my worry if well, I ever bring up another film that I know you haven't seen to make a point and I try not to give away any details because I know that in the moment it could stir up some th- some thoughts while you're watching it yeah, so once you'd mentioned that, but that was once I got about 10, 15 minutes in, and then I was like, oh yeah, I think I mentioned the premise of this, but I couldn't remember any, like I said, but when did we watch Brief Encounter at Christmas, I think it was? Uh, something like that, yeah. I mean, I, th- no, I think it's more recent than that. But anyway, yeah, it was. Um, it's it's in not a unique position, but in a niche position of being so beloved and so high up on favourite film lists, but when you mention it to most people, they probably haven't heard of it when I told people I was working with today that I was going to be doing this film none of them had heard of it uh, and yet it's you know multi multi Oscar winning uh, film five Oscar winners including best picture best director best actor best actress and best no no not, not actress uh, best screenplay and best editing you know actually not best actor excuse me not, not best actor best costume or something I think um, or set design so you know very successful film uh, the last black and white film to win an Oscar before um, the artist uh, 51 years later now we've got Ben on again because as is a bit of a theme on this show uh, it's films ultimate that Ben introduced to me <laughs> before I introduced them to Hugh um, so Ben I think uh, you know after I give a little synopsis I think you're going to be the guy to go to in terms of why this film is so great so very brief synopsis we are spoilerific so stop listening if you haven't seen The Apartment um, it is about Jack Lemon's character uh, C.C. Baxter often known as Bud or Buddy uh, who is a bit of a career climber in a sense he works in a sort of faceless awful organisation massive hordes of people working in office buildings and to help his career he rents out his apartment to his bosses of which there are many kind of office space like uh, to kind of meet up with girlfriends and uh, mistresses and the like and uh, 
essentially falls for a girl who, again, spoiler alert, turns out to be somebody who's fallen for a boss of his and has spent time in the apartment with his boss. And it's all about his, uh, you know, his battle against being this lonely uh, pushover, really, uh, and trying to win her heart. Um, so, yeah, Jack Lemon, Shirley MacLaine, Fred McMurray are the major players in it. So, Ben, uh, tell us, what is so great about the apartment? Why is it so highly rated? Yeah, I mean, when you first asked me to uh, to, to do this to do this one, I was I, I remembered you know loving it, um, but I'd actually forgotten how good it actually was. Like, um, I think the last because we did we did watch it we did watch it didn't we at uni? I think did, yeah, is that where yeah, you it was either at uni it, or uh, in Leicester? Basically, best part of ten years ago, if not at least ten years yeah. ago. Yeah, um, it's definitely it's definitely my favourite Billy Wilder film. Uh, there's a lot to choose from. Because mm. um, I think I first watched it when I was watching Billy Wilder films when I was when I was a teenager, um, just because he's such a, a legend. I don't, I don't think he gets enough credit these days. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I you know, to, like... for a, for a teenager to be watching Billy Wilder films, that's a bit of a film buff precocious um, <laughs> twat <laughs> sort of behaviour, but <laughs> in the best possible way. Because you know, yeah, you could mention to a lot of people. Billy Wilder, they won't know who you're talking about, but in on Mark Kermode, um, uh, Simon, what what's his name? Yeah, <laughs> Simon Mayer. You know they were asking which director <laughs> had the best run, and they said Billy Wilder with seven films. But yeah, not many people know him. I don't think. I think you're right. He was in a time when uh, when like film was just being. I want. I don't want like not churned out, but like they were making a lot of films. Like and they were just basically, you know. Um, watch this and then watch the next one watch the next one they weren't like treated as like um artifacts maybe cultural um, artifacts especially for what yeah yeah they for weren't people, like thinking sorry just for people who won't know who Billy Wilder is who don't know what sort of other films did he direct that you know made him so famous well it, it's, it's strange because he's he's done a lot of different genres like a mm. bit pretty similar to Stanley Kubrick although he's, I'd say he's like the complete opposite of Stanley Kubrick um, <laughs> he's done uh, Some Like It Hot which is often voted like the best comedy Ever, um, he's done. Have you both um, seen that? I've not seen that in ages, but yeah, I have seen it, and it, it is funny. It, still, it does still hold up today. Yeah, I had to watch it at, um, at school when we were doing. Oh, um, you never mentioned your media one, studies A level, Christ! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I watched it at school. Yeah, when I did my media studies. Wonderful A-level. film. Wonderful film. What yeah, did you think of it? It's a good film. Oh yeah, it's a great film. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, um, I really enjoyed it. It's one of the better ones we watched. He's done. Um, he's done uh, the Private Life of Sherlock Holmes is one of one of my favourites. Mm. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, not 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 like up there as one of his best. He, I think he first won the Oscar for The Lost Weekend, which is about an, a drama right. about an alcoholic. Um, Double Indemnity is a brilliant film noir, like mm. probably like the standard, I'd say. And I, I look that I think that's what I first watched Double Indemnity it was the first film I watched from him because I was into that kind of. That style, that fifties noir kind of. Uh, You're a big, big noir fan, aren't you? I'm a big, I'm a big. Th- yeah, I like thrillers and that kind of, uh, that kind of style. Um, he's what, what, seven what, year itch. I think his most famous one is obviously Sunset Boulevard. Um, it's probably a tie between Sunset Boulevard and some like it hot for his most famous. But yeah, that's that's definitely right up there. To, for me, I think I've, I've only seen, seen I've only seen this What's... and some like it hot. Uh, it's it's one of it's one of those where you just I just know that I'm gonna love all the other films yeah. and just don't get around to watching. I mean, them. another good another good one I'd recommend is uh, Witness for the Prosecution, right. um, written by Agatha Christie. Hmm. That's really good. 
Charles Lawton. It's got some pedigree. Lawton. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but getting getting back onto the apartment. Um, so, it. I mean, there's three. Th- the first thing is the. I love the acting in it. Jack Lemmon's amazing. Like, uh, I mean, he won the Oscar for um, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross when he was older. Yeah. Which yeah. was extremely deserved but in this he, he just plays such a good every every man because it's quite a it, it, it's quite like a if you imagine someone else being in the role who was because you know giving his apartment out to his bosses to get ahead i mean if that was in this day and age you'd, you'd view them as like kind of a career-oriented ambitious like kind of uh it's a tom cruise in the 80s kind of film isn't it yeah 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 but he, obviously <laughs> with jack lemon he's like um you know he's such a uh, he's so relatable that yeah. you just uh, that you just go along with it, and he's he is like the, the hero of the story. Um, I also love the cinematography. I love black and white films, but the the, the anamorphic kind of um, uh, sort of yeah, the cinematography it looks amazing, looks incredible. But the bit, the main the main reason this film is a, is a classic is the is the screenplay. Mm, Billy, yeah. I think Billy Wilder. You talk about his directing. He, I think I can't remember what it was with or magazine, but the the the, the like. Uh, they interviewed fifty filmmakers, and he was voted number one best screenplay writer from right. like people like you know Spielberg and Tarantino and all that. Crikey. Like he's revered his, his screenplays, and it is a it is an incredible screenplay. Stu- it's just, like if you want to know how to write a good screenplay, you should study yeah. it. Yeah, well, that's it, and and you know this does this film does come up in a lot of the books about screenwriting, and I suppose somebody like William Goldman is known more as a, as a writer, and he's there's less of a director, so he's known as a screenwriter. But yeah, Billy Wilder, mm. you sort of... But in the same way that... I mean, Tarantino's very different in lots of different ways, and it's, it's really well documented that he writes his films, but he's better known as a director, I suppose, than a... Oh, and by the way, you know, he wrote this as well, kind of thing. You know? Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, maybe, Tarantino maybe is... I, I wouldn't say Tarantino for me. Like, he, the, the trouble with Tarantino is he... he like he, he he can't write any other characters other than himself. <laughs> Whereas Billy Wilder, yeah. like in this in in this film, you can see it totally. Every mm-hmm. every individual character is different. They've got a distinctive yeah. way they speak. Mm-hmm. Um, even to the point where Jack Lemon starts copying the ways other characters speak. And it Fran immediately like, recognises it, doesn't she? The, you know, yeah. He says, you know, I'm one of the yeah, top ten percent yeah, yeah. efficiency wise. Oh, you're even starting to sound like Kirkaby. You know, it's <laughs> it's really rubs off on people, doesn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. So it feels so real, like it feels a lot, a lot more, a lot more uh, grounded in reality than a Tarantino film, which um, it's not. It's not really a good or bad thing. It's just you know, it's just yeah. what makes th- this kind of film memorable. Um, and like, I think get, getting onto like the plot of the film. It's, it's not. I wouldn't call it like an out-and-out comedy. Um, it's more of like a melancholy sort of melancholy drama with a lot of subtle, subtle comedy. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. um, I mean, it's Maybe really funny. Dramedy. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to avoid saying dramedy, but uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really like that word. <laughs> but um, I don't, uh, yeah, it's like uh, it, it. It's got laugh-out loud, loud moments, definitely for me. But there's an element, there's an element of cynicism there. Which sort of makes like makes it more meaningful when you see all the good bits. Like um, it's got more impact. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it, a lot of Billy Wilder's films mix that sort of pathos and cynicism to, to beautiful effect. Um, well, this is the this is. But it's all it's all down. To... Sorry, Ben. Go on. Well, you know, I mean, I, I was just going to say, um, 
I mean, you'll probably talk about this, Sam. You've probably looked it up, but he had Wilder had the ten ten rules for writing screenplays. Um, and I, I've seen you talk about a lot about um, the, the difference between wants and needs and that sort of thing. And I think this this screenplay just um, shows that beautifully. Like, um, and it it. It doesn't have any like sort of exposition where you're like, yeah, that's exposition, that's exposition. It mixes exposition with character and driving the plot forwards. Um, and yeah, I just think it's a, I just think it's a great. It, it's a film that it's a film that's good for the soul. I think it's like it's a wonderful life. <laughs> like you can watch it, like you can watch it whenever you can watch it as many times as you want, and you'll still get that feeling. Um, it, it's it's just yeah, it's just great. Yeah, I think that's a, a very good way of explaining how how good a film this is, and I have to echo a lot of things that you've said there. And like you said about you know the, the dramatic elements, uh, there's a sort of general uh, perceived wisdom, perceived wisdom, which is that to make something funny, you have to be smarter than somebody who's making it dramatic. And I feel like a less talented, a less intelligent screenwriter and director would have made this a drama. A, a drama. You know, it's mm. a very dramatic thing. It's there's a lot of suicide stuff and all that's thrown in, but it takes a smarter, wittier filmmaker to actually make this on the surf, on the surface a comedy. You know, in the same way that bloody Withnail and I could be a drama, but if you're yeah. smart enough, you can make it into one of the funniest comedies that can also make you cry. Uh, yeah. You know, out there, and it is wonderfully done. You know, and it, yeah, I think, like I say, I've got to echo everything you say. Shirley McLean as well. Really wonderful. Uh, I'll, I'll get to social media later, and I did have this thought, but I will credit it to somebody on the social media because they also said it, and it's written, and it's hard for me to pass it off on my own if it's written uh, before re- the recording. Um, this was I need to find the name actually, but oh yeah, here we go. Uh, Davis uh, David Gropp said one of the original manic pixie dream girls. You know, Shirley MacLaine really is that. She's this sort of smart, witty, dry, strong, endearing character that you can't help fall in love with, but that you also know that you can't um, objectify or fall in love with just because she looks good, you know? Or you feel feel somehow creepy just talking about how much you fall in love with a character because the whole point of her character is she's clearly someone who, you know, has been lied to in the past or is beyond that, you know, she's not a dolly bird kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. She's incredibly wry, yeah. and she is and she's, she's utterly beautiful in the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she gives as good as she takes. What's and, weird, what? She's I, yeah. She's a great character. Yeah, she's. She, I mean, she's as smart as the sort of smarter than uh, the most of the male characters in it. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Um, yeah. What What's weird is that I didn't realize she was um, Warren Beatty's sister. I just find that really strange. I found it really strange, and then I, in in the research, remind, was reminded that Warren Beatty is now married to Annette Benning, and it's like that that's two yeah, different yeah. generations. Talented, that talented family, you know? Annette Benning, <laughs> who's you know a sort of uh, a mum in 1999's American Beauty, is <laughs> the sister-in-law of Shirley MacLaine, <laughs> who was in a film 40 years. Is, pre- um, you know. yeah, I'm guessing Shirley MacLaine's a bit older than Warren Beatty, perhaps. Uh, not much older. Yeah, I think so. Not much older, but uh, I mean, it's. I, I she's in her nineties. He's in his eighties. Any, anyway, it's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, again, echoing, echoing what what Ben has said there. You know, the, the exposition wise, um, it it it's a show not tell uh, kind of film, isn't it? You know, and it's a phrase that we and every other pseudo 
um, a film reviewer uh, will use quite often. But, you know, it's sort of things like you want to establish he's lonely. Don't have him say, oh, by the way, I'm lonely. You know, like have him return home yeah. from somebody who's renting out his apartment and he's got to tidy up all the bottles. You want to show Kirkaby as a dickhead. Show him saying to his mistress... It's just some schnook in the apartment. Uh, it's just some schnook's apartment, and then him trying to be nice to uh, to uh, to Buddy Baxter later. Um, you know, just little yeah. hints like that. Sheldrake. It reminded me a bit actually of um, a film I really love, Cemetery Junction. Uh, you know, the Ricky Gervais film, where he said he wanted to really quickly establish that the love interest's husband is a bad person, and so Freddie, who is in, has got unrequited love for the love, in- for you know, for the for um, that guy's wife um, he says oh I never realised you were and, and he cuts in and says what banging the boss's daughter yeah it really helps with the career you know and it's kind of like oh wow okay so he seemed quite charming at first and now he's an absolute dickhead Sheldrake is kind of like this in here where you first see him say to Fran you know that I will leave my wife and so on and then in a, in a later scene says you know you take him on a couple of nights you have a couple of uh, you have fun a couple of times a week and then suddenly they want you to leave your wife and it's really well done it's no yeah. one saying it to you and that's it's not insulting at all it's respecting the audience which was one of those one of those rules um, and it's, it's so yes. stuff. what do you think so what do you think I might not like about this film it's ben. go on then ben, yeah. well I was thinking um I was thinking that the uh, if you're expecting more of a comedy, you might uh, you might be a bit. I mean, the first the first half is a bit slow, a lot of setup. Um, there's not there's not too much there's not too much going on. So I thought, yeah, that if you if you're turned off by that, like you you might find it a bit a bit boring um, if you're expecting a, a comedy. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'm not like I'm, I'm not really too sure. Too sure what there is to not it like is, about it. Um, what do you it, think is, so? it is two hours long, uh, which is long for a comedy. I also found that when I watched it last night, when I was very tired, or the night before when I was very tired, um, that it, and because I hadn't seen it for so long, I I wasn't, I was tired and hadn't seen it for a long time, so I wasn't seeing how well balanced and structured the 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 screenplay was because what this film does so well is set up and pay off little things little things so Fran's running up the stairs and she hears what sounds like a gunshot and then she she gets there and he's, he's opened a bottle of champagne and it shows that champagne earlier you know the, the work, and like, the gun <laughs> and the gun yeah he's got a gun you know all these little and, it's, and it happens so much <laughs> whether check it's off the, champagne <laughs> check off champagne yeah and you know and he talks about earlier you know they've actually had that conversation earlier um, on the subject of Ricky Gervais I recently rewatched a video essay about why Life on the Road was so disappointing as a film, and have, have you both seen it? Life on the Road, the David I've Brent seen it, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it. No. The worst part of it is that he's gone on tour, and there's a band, and there's a like a sound guy, band manager type guy, and they've all hated him all the way through. He's annoyed them all the way through, and then nothing happens, and suddenly they like him. So at one point, he's had to pay them each twenty five pounds an hour to have a beer with him and pay for their <laughs> drinks, and then at the end to wrap it up. They just suddenly turn up at the pub with him, and everyone likes him, and they have a few like uh, talking heads where they go, "Oh, you know, he's all right actually." But there's no inciting incident to make that happen. He's not redeemed himself in any sort of way, and you go, "Well, what, what is this? Is this? Are you just trying to make me emotional without actually earning it?" And this film has that setup and payoff so much better. You know, whether that is in terms of the way that characters speak and then mimic each other's speech uh, patterns. And modes of speech, or whether it's yeah showing that as champagne before and after, and it, and it's just so much better set up, set up. So I think 
it's possible if you only watched it once that you won't have caught every one of those and it won't have had an emotional impact when the payoff came if the setup wasn't clear enough. So if you watched it like I did on Wednesday and was just a bit too tired and didn't mm. spot it all, then it's possible that you didn't fully appreciate it. But, you know, I, I think you'll like it. I think it's witty enough. I think it's smart. And I think it's dramatic enough that I think you will, uh, you'll get a kick out of it. But we're going to find out. So uh, we're going to go for a little break. When we, find, when we come back, we're going to find out Hugh's views on 1960s The Apartment. Join us after the break. Welcome back to Please Watch This. We're ready for Hugh's views. Uh, Hugh, what did you like about 1960s The Apartment? Uh, so, The Apartment, yeah, 1960s, or oh, 60, that doesn't make sense, that doesn't make sense. 1960s. It's from 1960s, uh, called The Apartment. What did you yeah, like about yeah, it? Yeah, 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 sorry. Um... So yeah, um, it's all very well acted. All the you know Jack Lemons good in this. Um, Shirley MacLaine's good in this. Um, I don't. What's the actor? It feels like you're bullet pointing again, Hugh. Can you uh, can you enjoy? Well, I'm just telling you what I'm saying. <laughs> can you what, what yeah, it's got this. It's got that. Well, no, yeah, they are the, the, the best they're film really good in it. Their it just feels like a bullet point. Will you shut up and listen? <laughs> You're just listening off your... Give me... Give me, give me you asked me to... You said, what do I like? Listening. You said, what do I like about this film? I'm telling you what I like. But I you like really the like a dispassionate list, like it's the shipping forecast. Yeah, I like the acting. The cinematography was really good. I'd give it a 10 out of 10. And next week we're going to watch Man of Steel. Come on, give us some feeling, Hugh. Okay, now. <laughs> <sighs> right, um... Yeah, I mean, yeah, the 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 two main leads in this—they're very, they're they're re- like they're believable characters. You know, you said earlier the the everyman sort of um, quality that Jack Lemmon has. Although one thing I would say is, I do feel like some of his personality is described by the fact that he knows facts about things because he works in an insurance company, and I'm and part of me was worried that like whilst I was watching this that some of it was. They were they were giving him a quirky sort of aspect facet to his personality that was covering up that he doesn't really have a character if that makes sense. I was kind of worried about that when he was doing all that. Like this is New York City in 1959. It's got eight million people <laughs> living. There. I was kind of I was a bit concerned that that was that was his personality <laughs> and it was kind of hiding the character. But yeah, no, he's he's good. He's really good in this. Um, you said he didn't win the best. Uh, acting Oscar which um, I, I don't know because I wasn't because I've not watched that many films from like the early 60s and the late 50s I don't have too much to compare it against so I don't know if it was a good performance or if it was just an okay performance you know he, he was beaten by somebody much better that year who won the one you want to while I'm giving you some more things what I liked about this film I can, he, do you want to just whoa, quickly see whoa. who he lost to and what, or what won it oh, do you know what? I was just looking at him I thought I had it and turns out I didn't uh, yeah. best actor uh, you'll, have to, you'll have to fill for a little bit yeah no that's fine um, yeah that's uh, <laughs> Shirley McLean like was uh, Ben you were saying someone described her as the original or the first manic pixie dream girl on in a, like a film um, I can see that you know she's very she's very she's she's very cute looking I suppose so yeah she's got the short cropped hair she's she's kind of quirky um, who knew that like 
there was women who would just run the uh, the lifts like it was almost like she was like I'm in uniform they were like <laughs> the like airline pilots or air hostesses or something it was really it's peculiar a, it's a real uh, time capsule because you've got the operators mm. and then you've got yeah the um the women, oh, what is her, the, uh, lift, the woman uh, who just elevator attendant is that a name? Yeah, yeah, lift attendant. Yeah. So just to answer your early question, Burt Lancaster okay. won Best Actor for Elmer Gantry. I've never even heard or seen of it. Yeah, um, <sighs> I which really I have heard it. of the apartment. To be fair, so um, yeah, it was unusual to go into a film without knowing anything about it. So I didn't know what it was about uh, until, like I said earlier, it just rung a bell. What Sam had said about um, when we were doing. Uh, brief encounter that there was a film where somebody was using people's apartments um, so I didn't know if it was a comedy or a drama and, or anything like that um, yeah I know what you mean like you don't like Ben you don't want to call it a dramedy but yeah it probably is that it, it, the, the, like you said the second half of the film is more drama heavy isn't it um, what I liked as well I like the premise like I like how He's he's kind of a bit. This character's quite put upon, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Oh, he's yeah. not very really confident. Way he's not very. What did you say? Sorry, Sam. That's a good way of putting it. He's very. Put oh upon right, yeah. The doormat. Yeah. Walker. Yeah, he's a bit of a doormat. Yeah, he's a bit of a doormat pushover, and I can't, You know, I liked that kind of aspect of. Oh, he let somebody borrow it so he could get changed, and then everyone was letting him do stuff, and you know how it kind of spirals out of control from there, and he's kind of trapped by it. And then when he says to people that they can't do it, they start being quite pernicious towards him when he sends um, Shirley McLean's brother's character round to to find uh, to find her and all that. So yeah, so yeah, I liked I liked the, those are the two things. Uh, some of the cinematography as you mentioned Ben, like just that mid shot of the really long office with like there must be a thousand people in the background of those shots. It's insane. You know, I mean like Ben you must know how they did that. Do you want to, do you want to tell us there how must they be did like that? smoke and mirrors or something I imagine. Yeah, pr- pretty it's, much. It's yeah. Even more entertaining than that. <laughs> no, they basically used dwarves, didn't they? And uh, then even further back, <laughs> they used uh, mid- they, they used that. Like, no, but they used like puppets and stuff like that even further back. But yeah, they used dwarves. They used children. They used children. Yeah. Children and small people, <laughs> and then even further back, it was yeah, it was puppets. They used those because they just didn't have the space in the studio to actually. It's ingenious. Actually... It's great. It's just filmmaking. <laughs> it's it's fine. You can't tell. I'll be honest with you. Like you just like yeah. I keep looking for it. And I can't really? see it. That's interesting. Um, so yeah. yeah, I like that aspect to it. Um, but that's kind of where anything about this film that I did like ended. Like I've heard you two talking about it there, oh, saying about characters God. and all that, and yeah. Let's end the podcast I can, now. I can agree with you. Like, yeah, the people do have character. Like, I can't deny that they don't. Um, but I'd be lying if I said I enjoyed this film. I was very bored. I I got like an hour in. I was like, oh my god, there's still like an hour left. I just, yeah, I just did. It just, I'd be lying if I said I like this film. To be frank with you, um, I just found it boring. I was just bored by it. That's the only emotion that I had. See, there is little bits of funniness in it. I'm not going to pretend there isn't. Um, in terms of like the plot, I'd never truly bought that. That um, I never truly bought that she was into um, Buddy or 
Baxter or whatever you want to call him I never really quite got that feeling like at the end she's like oh just deal the cards and he's like opening up about how he feels about her but she doesn't seem to reciprocate and maybe she is but isn't really like some of her best scenes are without you know her when she's with um, what's her, what's the boss called again Summit Drake Sheldrake you know when she's Sheldrake. in the um, the restaurant the Chinese restaurant with Sheldrake um, and yeah I kind of wish the more I wish more of the film was them two you know when she was recovering like like you said you get to see them build a relationship sort of thing but I just found it dull I was bored alright Ben you take over I'm I'm, I'm, I'm losing the <laughs> like I, I don't know I think I don't know what you I don't really see what you like I mean it's not a bad film but it's not a good f- I didn't find it good I can't pretend like I said I can't pretend that I liked it because I didn't I won't watch it again I won't recommend it spoiler alert <laughs> yeah, so well. Ben how do you respond to that I mean I don't I, I don't know I don't know because it's difficult to it, it, it's difficult to say like you know well you know you're wrong but <laughs> <laughs> And it, it, all under the caveat of you're entitled to your opinion which is what people what, say when they're wrong always as well but what, yeah. how can we tell how can we objectively yeah, I think you do need to watch it again <laughs> I think you need to watch it again yes and just I think you need to appreciate the, I think you need to appreciate the subtlety of the script I think That's what, I think you need to go in there and sort of um, I don't know I don't know I, don't, I mean I, I feel like when I, when I learned that you gave 12 Angry Men a 7 out of 10 I was kind of thinking <laughs> maybe you won't like it because like uh, I don't know I, yeah, I, I just maybe you don't, maybe, objectively maybe. for me was I really enjoyed that film I enjoyed watching that film like probably a 7 out of 10 is probably a, probably a low score now in hindsight but yeah yeah, and, yeah I suppose but you know I enjoyed Brief Encounter but to me it just like this kind of feels like one of those films like do you guys just like it because it's an old black and white film and you're like kind of it's a bit no, of a misdirect no, no, like you're going oh it must be a classic because <laughs> it's black and white and the and the dialogue's vaguely believable I, I, I just don't see what you no. love about it quite frankly have you seen any other Billy Wilder films uh, yeah I've seen some Like It Hot I enjoyed that like I said earlier I don't know is this another do we have another There with Blood on Our Hands where where you do, like Ben said, you have to watch it a second time to get to, not to get it, because that sounds, that makes it sound like, oh, you're too stupid to get it, because that's obviously not fair, because a lot of it is subtle, or it is kind of like, it is based on these cyclical things and setups and, and payoffs, and I think I did say one of the things that I thought you might not like is if you didn't, it didn't chime with you that had been set up, then you wouldn't have a, an emotional reaction to it. Yeah, um, I think that's the thing, that. isn't it? It's like if you don't have a like, it, that's what it's about. It's about the characters. If you don't, if you don't, um, if you don't find them like interesting or I'll be honest, then you, I, you probably wouldn't. I didn't really enjoy I, it. I didn't really like Buddy. I, I'll be honest. I, like I said, I don't mind a character who's a bit of a walkover or a pushover or whatever you want to, whatever you know, term you want to use for that. Um, I, I, I don't know. He's, he's essentially he's using he's abusing his apartment, isn't he, to get better jobs? Essentially, is what he's doing to get a better mm. position in. The, and they even contrast that, don't they? With um, there's a couple of times. One time when the guy who works next to him is like, "I've been here twice as long as you have," and you're like, "And is that meant to make you 
like the character more and you're just like I don't like the character more when stuff like that also one thing I genuinely don't like about this film is there's an entire scene where basically a load of people have phone conversations for like five minutes that's just pacing on that is awful like it's just so it's just flab like what did we get out of that film it's expressing it's expressing the that how complicated that that thing is I don't, I don't mean in terms of, sense of like if you went huh, and for four minutes you just called people to say can you do Wednesday and they said no I can't do Wednesday so he called somebody else and they said I can't do Wednesday but I can do Thursday but it's it's all part of the theme isn't it it's all part of like the theme? what he's doing and, and <laughs> jumping through yeah, the, 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 the thing, thing for me is it's quite clear I th- it is it's sorry go on Ben yeah go on. well it's the whole thing about wants versus needs like he wants to get a better better job he wants to advance in his job but what he what he actually needs is to be able to stand up for himself which he does at the end that's the payoff yeah but yeah. does him so when he stands up when he stands up to Seldrake and, and, and chucks his job in but as is with that any, a good as with any great film that's got made. a theme it's got a second it's got a second character that's also playing that out so Fran obviously is not right for Shel- Sheldrake is not the man for her but he's the one who's going to make her successful because she can be the boss's wife and for Buddy he wants to be the he wants to get a promotion and so like they're both doing what they need to do to survive in this capitalist here's a question or here's system. a point I know it's like so I bet the there's a way you could cut this film that makes Buddy seem really creepy. Like the bit when he Oh definitely when definitely. He knows That's what I said about Jack Lemon being the actor like I couldn't like he's, he's, there's a creepiness he's the one who makes there. it work. There's a creepiness to Jack Lemon as well, I think, a little bit. But not him and Tony Curtis are both a bit creepy actually. <laughs> I always thought after watching some like it hot. But yeah, no, there's there's a yeah you could he's very creepy like he knows look like a by, mo- by modern standards yeah but but if you look at his competition every other man in this film is a piece of shit oh yeah like who will cheat like on their wives his, and all that sort like, of stuff he's the guy who will take off his hat when he goes into the elevator yeah I mean you know? yeah don't get me wrong like compared to all the other men you know other than the doctor um, they're other than the doctor they're yeah. all seen as you know they are they're, they're, they're all cheating on their wives you know they're using this for nefarious like, you know, for look for little trysts and things like that. But he's that kind of. If we were to give it like a contemporary slant, he'd be the r slash nice guys Reddit forum post. No, he would oh. be. No, see, one thing. I, any attempt by a man to like. He knows when she had an illness when she was a child. That's weird. You shouldn't know that about somebody. That was weird. Actually, when he was looking to the <laughs> that, 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 that I was going to mention that. That, that was a bit. That was that was the weird, that was weird. Yeah, but, but th- what, what, I, what I didn't mention, what I, what I really liked Facebook, about this film is that like nineteen sixties Facebook stalking. <laughs> there's like there's so much like basically all the whole the whole dialogue from from Jack Lemon until right until the end is all subtext basically like he's not he never says it's all subtext and so from from Fran as well like the they never say exactly what they mean but you can tell like from from what they're saying like you know what they actually what they actually think and what they're actually saying yeah i mean i suppose we'll, we'll get need i remind you ben and audience that at the end of me and Nolan and the dying girl Hugh wanted them to Get off no, each other and kiss not when she now was that like, was creepy. When, no, when she's on a cancerous was intimate. It was much more intimate for them to do what they I did. I thought you know, they should have kissed earlier on in the film because they clearly. And so how cheap would that have been? This film, right? So you say, oh, and she just doesn't give much back. She just says, shut up and deal. What's that about? That for me is one of the best endings to a rom com ever because what they could it's just amazing. kiss and the, the music swells and that. But ends. you don't even think. This but is so much better. You don't, you don't even convince that she loves him. You just convince that she's the. 
better that. options she's than everything else she, that she's maybe had. Maybe she doesn't. Maybe she doesn't. And she's been just like tossed about by men before and stuff. She's not going to be like like falling at his knees because she because he loves her. The, I did so what she's done is she's gone out on fun. on the guy who's treating her like shit. And, yeah. and she's changed. And she's changed. She's changed her life. She's got what she's got she's the realized. the need. There was yeah. a, a, a bit of a misery vibe to it when he said to her, "I'm stronger than you." <laughs> like that creeped me out as well. I just I don't know. I just didn't vibe with this film, as they say. I just didn't. I, I it was is bored. sixty-one years old as well, so we have to bear that in mind when we come. To, yeah. When we come. To I that. do. I, I, I like because it is two hours. But I think that I do find it a lot easier putting down. I, I, I do I do notice this like whenever I say whenever I recommend like old films to people and all that I, I, I do like I, like I don't judge films like like most people like a lot of people do like saying oh that's weird like for, like and I, I think well you know it was like you know you got to put yourself in the time like I do so I do understand yeah. oh, that. like the bit when the doctor's slapping and her in, to, in to the world, rouse her that made me feel really uncomfortable actually watching that that's the problem because actually, the, so there's, the there's, there's doctors on set saying you should you should hit her harder because that's how we do really? it. It well, it did make me feel uncomfortable. I thought, well, presumably that's how they did it. They're smelling salts and they hit them. And like I said, you know, the doctors at the time said no, you should be hitting her harder. Billy Wilder said no, look, her cheeks are really red. Don't hit her any harder. And so that's <laughs> definitely a case where you go, well, clearly I'm supposed yeah. to watch this from a 1960s perspective or 50s. Yeah. Um. But. You know, Stanley Kubrick did it in the eighties as well. So, don't... <laughs> <laughs> like, so uh... what did Stanley Kubrick do? The Shining. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah, yeah. She had a terrible time, didn't she? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, so yeah, I was I was just bored by it. That's my overall feeling with this film. I was expecting because you know we got Ben on for it. I was really expecting this like quality nineteen sixties old school film. And you know, have you ever seen? I can't remember what year. I think it's from about three years later. Have you seen? Um, Guess who's coming to dinner? Yeah, have you seen that? Not for a while, but you've seen it, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a much better film than this, and it's made around the same time, you know. So, but Ben, uh, ben uh, Hugh, you think you think Stargate's a better film than this? Hugh, no, I don't think. Well, it's a different film, isn't it? You do, but I enjoyed Stargate <laughs> more. Yeah, quite frankly. Yeah. This, I've watched Stargate yeah. a few times. I'm never going to watch this There's again. There's more flashing lights in that. No, it's just... They're, they're very different films, and they're hard to compare. Like, you know, <laughs> you're being facetious there, I feel, just because you don't agree with my opinion on it. Um, but, yeah, and I was bored. Shall we do favourite scenes, then? <laughs> I think I've got the libido for it, but cool. go on, then. Uh, ben, what's your favourite scene? <laughs> um, the scene where uh, he finds out that... The office party, basically, where he finds out that Franz uh, mm. Sheldrake's uh, mistress by a, That's a brilliant, brilliant bit of writing, where he finds the cracked mirror, and you just see just his realization that you know what he's doing, and I think that's the turning point in the film where it, you know, he's uh, mm-hmm. he goes quite he, deep he's into to realize. that little depression, doesn't he? Yeah, so there's he, a great when, scene in the when, bar afterwards when he saw. Sorry, go on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, there's a great scene where he's like in the bar and uh, he, he orders a drink, and then you, you take he takes a cocktail stick out of the olive, and you see how many ol- uh, cocktail sticks he's, yeah. he's got around him. It's brilliant. Again, it's show don't tell, isn't it? Yeah, it's not like yeah, a bartender yeah. said, "Are you sure you've had ten already?" He's he's glued yeah, out yeah. seven or eight different cocktail sticks. It's really wonderful. So Hugh, for example, when he saw that mirror was hers, did you go, "Oh my gosh"? 
she's Sheldrake's mistress. You knew she was. was a moment. Well, you knew she was Sheldrake's mistress. No, you knew she was Sheldrake's mistress. Sorry. Yeah. You, sorry. You, you, did, did you, you clock was, that yeah. he? Did you clock that he realised? Yeah. It's like, like I'm, you know, Ben. You're right. That probably is the best bit of the film. This scene, yeah, because it does like the film does turn at that point. Um, uh, yeah, I would say I would agree. I would echo Ben's sentiments for that one. Uh, I think for me, I really like uh, Buddy's quitting scene. You know, where he's basically given a choice mm. of, you know, you can either give me the key for the apartment or you can quit your job and he gives him a key. And because mm. it had been so long since I saw it, I thought he actually gave him the key to his apartment, thinking like he's, he's you know, he's lost. And then uh, yeah. he gets a backbone, you know, and, and I think that's a great moment. I do, I do love characters who are a bit of a pushover getting a bit of a backbone. I, you know, I get quite emotional in... I think it's the first episode of Breaking Bad um, where he stomps on that kid for making oh, fun of his yeah. son because I'm just like, yeah, go, yeah. On, go on, Flanders, go on. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the I, other bit I did... I really liked that. There's one bit I did like about this film is when he strains the, um, the spaghetti with the tennis racket. I quite liked that. And then, he should, and then he says, you should see the way I serve the meatballs. And he's like doing the little serve into the bowl, pretending to serve the meatballs. I liked that. <laughs> and um, nice. yeah, I liked I liked the fact that it was a film that dealt with like suicide attempts and stuff like that. That was quite interesting because mm. yeah. yeah, it's not a knockabout comedy. Is no, it? it's not at that bit. And she kind of glances at the the sleeping pills, doesn't she? And then she kind of yeah, like there is like you know there's subtext there. You know they just show little hints. You know she looks at it and she kind of dismisses it but then she changes her mind and she runs you know she runs a glass makes a glass of water for herself and you know that's what she's going to do they don't show her taking them yeah. they just show her oh do they show her taking them I can't remember no I don't no, think they did, did they? no, no they, they just show it's a surprise when he comes back with that girl and, and she's in the bedroom yeah yeah and again that subtext it's not you know we just we realise she's at her lowest ebb and, and so on as a, and it's just uh, it's incredibly smart um, favourite lines then Ben I suspect I might know your favourite line, but there's actually quite a lot of witty lines in this. What is your favourite line? Well, I, I, I like the char- I like the doctor character. Um, I think he's. he's <laughs> underrated. I love it. Yeah. I love, like he what, won an what, Oscar. Did he? I think he won the Oscar. I think he did. Yeah. Best supporting. All right. Oh no! Sorry. Oh, a lot. No, sorry. He got a, he got a non- nomination. Nomination. Oh, for right, right. Jack Christian. There's a line where. Uh, where they've been after they've after they've been walking her around to try and keep her awake, and he says, he says like these cases are always much harder on the doctor than the patient. Patient, I ought to charge you by the mile. <laughs> <laughs> he has some wonderful like one of my favourite lines was Mildred. He's at it again <laughs> when he hears the commotion next door. <laughs> I loved it as well when he's like got the coffee. And he, He's got the coffee, yeah. and he's like, mm, "Mind if I cool this off?" <laughs> the whiskey. <laughs> I'm going to use that line. I think. Do you any favourite lines? Um, yeah, mine was not, well. It wasn't the same line as Ben, but it was the same character um, from the Doctor, where he where he basically says, "Why don't you grow up, Baxter? Be a mensch. You know what that means?" And he's like, Baxter's like, I'm not sure. And he's like, a mensch, a human being. So you got off easy this time. So you were lucky. You know, he was like, be a mensch, you know, be a man, yeah. sort of be a human being. Yeah, I quite liked sort of, he's like that. He's kind of the moral centre of the film, isn't he? The Doctor. Mm. Mm. Um, but, but Funley obviously doesn't really doesn't charge him, does he? At all. <laughs> it's the no. moral centre of what he th- perceives to be Buddy's life. 
I think I think mine, even though Hugh hated it, was "shut up and deal." Was my favorite line. Oh, that's uh, great. I, I think it's, it's the great. best. It's the best way of ending a rom com is is not having them kiss and the music swell, but it's one of them saying something to the other that's meaningful or um, represents their relationship or isn't just a woman submitting and a man submitting and that's it. They're in love forever. It's this is what their relationship is going to be. They have this beautifully witty, wry, ironic, uh, ironic life together. Yeah, uh, I but, mean Billy. Yeah, no, there's Billy a, lot, a lot of great lines. He's great at endings, Billy Wilder. Like, like even like some like yeah. it hot. Some know, like it hot. No, nobody's yeah. perfect. Nobody's best perfect. Best, and then one of the best <laughs> finishing lines of any film. One of the best bits. That's what he's. That's what he's got in his grave, Billy Wilder. He says, "I'm a writer, but then nobody's perfect." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't then, know that. That's great. There's... And Jack 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 Lemon has got on his grave. It says Jack Lemon in. <laughs> which is great that's cool, one of my favourite there's a great there's, that is one, uh, there's a great line at the end of Double, and, Double Indemnity because um, Double Indemnity is like this insurance guy who's, who's murdered someone and the guy you like discovers it is like his, his boss his co-worker and the friends and um and he's dying. The guy, the guy is, and he's like, "Oh, who you wouldn't have known? You, you know, you, the reason he couldn't catch me is because I was too close to you. You know, we were just sitting across a desk, and uh, and he just goes, oh, even closer than that, <laughs> just because <laughs> like, you know, we're friends, like and stuff. And it's just, yeah, oh, I mean, wow. he was good. He was just, he was good at, he was good at ending films. I think Willy Wilder, and that's yeah. one of his ten rules of screenwriting is to get out. Yeah. I yeah. like I like yeah. the line. Yeah. Some, and the, the audience goes home remembering the last scene, don't they? So that's what you want them. That's what you when you want yeah. to catch them. I really don't, don't hang around. Basically, one of my favourite lines though of like any film is in um, some like it hot where uh, Marilyn Monroe kisses him and he just goes, "See nothing." When <laughs> 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 he's been that pretending that he doesn't like have like. Romantic feet or like erotic feelings or something. <laughs> a massive boner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That bit's really funny. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. Let's do our third and final part of this segment then. Um, favourite shot. Ben, what would be your favourite shot of the film? Uh, yeah, probably the uh, the office at the start where he just shows, you know, he's mm. just a cog in the system. And I mean, it's like what we've mentioned how it was done. I think it's uh, it just goes back to the show, don't tell thing again. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Just, uh, yeah. just a perfect yeah. way of representing it. Mm. That's right. How about you, Hugh? Um, well, yeah, it's hard to. It, I mean, cinematically, that's probably the best shot, isn't it, of the film? Because it just they just look so incredible, don't they? But I I also liked the shot of him when he he's like in the bowler hat and he like tilts the hat. I quite liked that. When did people stop wearing <laughs> bowler hats? It's a bit Charlie Chaplin esque, that isn't it? When he puts yeah. it on and, and tries it out. Yeah, um, yeah I think my favourite shot is either it's between. I, I, basically, I chose three. One of them was the office. One of them was uh, her looking in the mirror uh, when when she opens the mirror. Uh, oh, when he sees the mirror, sorry. Um, and they look through it to see that it's you know he realizes Fran's with Sheldrake. And the other one was when Fran has realised she needs to go to him and she runs up the stairs and hears the shot. There's a great sort of like close up on her face. One of the very few close ups really in this film. It's not really a it's not really yeah. a black and white film where it's constantly looking for dramatic uh, close ups. There's a lot of long shots and mid shots and uh, I thought that was quite telling. I think the reason yeah, for that so. I think because a lot of the shots shows like the divide between like, you know, how how 
like he's not very close to anyone so you see two people yeah. in the shot all the time and yeah I think a lot of close-ups would yeah. uh, would ruin that kind of effect his loneliness I agree and it would make it slightly more melodramatic rather than dramatic well with that we're yeah. going to go for a little break when we come back we're going to get some ratings critics and quizzes and we'll find out what we're going to watch next week join us after the break back to the third and final part of this week's episode of Please Watch This. Uh, we will go for a bit of a critic's response. Hugh, how do you think our favourite critic, Roger Ebert? Roger Ebert. Responded to this film. How many how many stars out of four would he give it? So when did he review it? That's the question here. For In two thousand and one. It was two thousand and one. So he's had time to think about it. So when Gene, so when Roger Ebert was what like twenty or something, this film came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I mean, if he's reviewing it, like you know. 41 years later I think he's obviously going to give it like four stars basically yeah that is exactly what he did uh, yeah I think I know, I know what I mean you know he's not going to review a film that he would give a two star or three star to um, it's a really uh, excellent review and, and very lengthy and talks about lots of aspects of it but the one that I really narrowed in on was talking about uh, Billy Wilder more generally and so he observes that The Lost Weekend hasn't really dated as much as a lot of other films of the time the late 50s had or oh, yeah, was it in the 50s uh, you know old films had um, and he says in observing that The Lost Weekend hasn't dated I could be making a comment about Wilder's work in general even a lightweight romantic comedy like Sabrina 1954 holds up better than its 1990s remake and the great Wilder pictures don't play as period pieces but look as straight in the eye Some Like It Hot is still funny Sunset Boulevard is still a master- masterful gothic character comedy and The Apartment is still tougher and more poignant than the material might have permitted. The valuable element in Wilder is his adult sensibility. His characters can't take flight with formula plots because they are weighed down with the trials and responsibilities of working for a living. In many movies, the characters hardly even seem to have jobs, but in the apartment they have to be reminded that they have anything else. Uh, and so he loved it, he you know, thought it was timeless, hadn't dated, still funny, uh, and was a big fan of the film. Uh, Hugh, that's great. Yeah, too. I mean, that's you know, fewer compliments better than getting four out of four. When he says Roger Lost Ebert. Weekend, is that what is he referring to? Like the genre type of the film? Like no, Monk no, and... that's another Wilder film. Oh um, right, I see. Because yeah. somebody men- one of the characters I think mentions a Lost Weekend. That's right. I mean, it's, it's supposedly it's a nod, a knowing nod. You know, I don't like film. to disagree with Roger Ebert. You know, he's 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 more talking about the quality. Or the qualities of the film making and the filmmaking process. I think what I found with this film is I was just bored by it. I, I know I've said it six, seven times now, but I just found it a boring film. I wasn't excited by it. I wasn't gripped by it. And I think me and but Ben one just thing, think you didn't get it. One thing, no, that's very dismissive to say I didn't get it, Sam. That's very, that's very, you know, you're basically saying I don't think you're smart enough to understand this film. I got the film. I watched it. I've seen it like you have. That's a very derogatory thing to say, actually. Accurately. 
No, it's not accurate. It's <laughs> poor opinion. It's just going, well, you're not smart enough for this. I am smart enough for it. I've watched plenty of good films. I just don't, th- I just didn't enjoy it. Just, that's that's how it is. One thing I would say, though, about like this kind of film genre is you don't get films like this really too much anymore. Would you mm. guys agree? Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was thinking if you, yeah. I was talking about the plot and I was just thinking if that was made today, it'd probably be some like Richard Curtis film or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which I'm not a fan of. People care cases. less about their people care less about their reputation now. I think in terms of mm. the values that people had back then. Because I'm not a big fan of like yeah. dramedies and romantic dramas or romantic comedies, but I think because this one's got that sort of cynicism and it's got more themes that you know you don't really you rarely see in you know, romantic comedies these days. That's why. Uh, that's why it's more poignant. I think. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think know. so. I, d- I don't really watch enough rom coms now to to really know. But uh, yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right, Hugh. I think it is. It's not the sort of film you see anymore. And something that might agree more with the, with your point of view here, Jonathan Rosenbaum in the Chicago Reader, um, which I couldn't find the year for, but it's not. It wasn't contemporary to the film. He says, "I wouldn't call this 1960 picture one of Billy Wilder's best comedies. It's drab, sappy, and overlong at 125 minutes." but its numerous Oscars indicate that many disagree with me, including the Coen brothers. Jack Lemmon at his most hyperventilated plays an ambitious clerk. He tries to get ahead by lending his apartment to executives one night stands, uh, and then he goes on to a basically a plot summary. But yeah, he, he calls it um, yeah drab, sappy, and overlong. And, it is uh, a bit too long. Like I'd, I wish it could have got into the more character stuff between Jack Lemmon and um, Shirley MacLaine. Quicker. What's really funny is that I, I did get the sense that it was too long while I was watching it, but on re-watching it, thought that there's nothing I would cut out, if that makes sense. You know, for everything to make sense and for all the setups and the payoffs, it kind of all has to be in there. Which why I think I probably appreciated it more re-watching parts of it today than when I watched it on a couple of days ago. Um, because I did get to... It became a shorter film, mm. you know, because of that it's... Uh, I got to see the links a bit more and the, the the relevance of each scene that seemed potentially unnecessary the second yeah. time. Around. I just yeah, I just didn't gel with this film. It's just one of those that just didn't hit me in the uh, film sweet spot. I guess yeah. it's fair enough. And I put it to social media this time. I hijacked onto the Mark Kermode Appreciation Society on Facebook. So kudos to you guys. You're you're a great bunch. You're a lovely bunch of people. A very nice place to be on Facebook. Great bunch of lads. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing I was really surprised by that we haven't really talked about is how much this is regarded as a, as a Christmas film. So Cara Lawless, uh, I'm assuming no relation to Lucy, but uh, she didn't say, um, says it's uh, the top of Billy Wilder's film. So the question I asked was, what do you think about this film and where does it rank in Wilder's filmography? Cara says it's top, but very much a Christmas film, so I'm afraid it's only available for December viewing. What do we think? And that, that was that was something that a lot of people said. Is this a Christmas film? Ben, what do you think? I would argue it's not a Christmas film. Sorry, Ben. Well, yeah, I was, I was just going to say, to be honest, it's never, it never even occurred to me until you just mentioned it that it was a Christmas film. Mm. It's a bit like... Um, bit, uh, a bit Die Hard. What's it called? Set at Christmas, but it's not a Christmas yeah. message, film. is it? No. It's not uh, like It's a, a Wonderful Life. Films. That's a Christmas film, isn't it? That is no, a Christmas exactly. film, yeah. and, and it, But it's like uh, Shane Black films are often set 
Christmas. Yeah, or Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Christmas. Yeah, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Iron Man 3. Um, I think, did he not write <laughs> some of Die Hard as well? This is it. And yeah, so I, I just. And Mark Amphlett, um said it's one of the greatest movies ever made. It's the second best Christmas movie ever made. Wow. It makes me want to be a better human being. And yeah, it just seemed to be quite a common view that it's a Christmas film. And I, I, yeah, again, I hadn't even considered it. Um, but yeah, like I say, I put it out there and lots of lots of very positive responses, basically. N- nobody hating it. Um, Justin Driscoll said it's one of the few perfect movies. Um, uh, this really touched me, actually. I was watching it on headphones one morning and uh, my wife got choked up just watching it on subtitles. So she must have watched it while he was <laughs> watching it with headphones, which was lovely. Um, David uh, Howe, I want to say, said, brilliant film and introduced me to the wonderful Shirley MacLaine, who was one of my favourite actors, uh, which I think is... Uh, yeah, and, and linked to that, Andy Millwood said, a wonderful film, it's not dated as badly as some, and what sets it apart is the chemistry between Jack Lemmon and Shirley McLean. Mm. And uh, and I think one or two more to mention really was um, Andy Godfrey said, Billy Wilder was a genius, and there's not a single film of his that I don't love. Whatever the genre, he really took you right into that world. I love this film. Uh, and a lot of people just really loved it. Um, Robert Graham said, up among his best. So, yeah, I think generally speaking... In the in the fine lads and lasses of Mark Kermode Appreciation Society, people love this film. Then, but more importantly than that, and more importantly than even the great late uh, Roger Ebert, is the two critics sat right in front of me. Uh, ben, how many violent slaps from a very Jewish doctor would you give this film <laughs> out of ten? Um, I'll give it nine, nine and a half, nine and a half out of ten. Nine and a half. Excellent stuff. Love tap. <laughs> How low are you going to go, Hugh? What's the, uh, it's about five for me, mate. Five. I appreciate that it's got some sort of like the acting's good, the, the plots, like you said, it's got that set up and payoff, and you know it's got those interesting shots. Bit overly long. I just didn't. I didn't engage with it. So yeah, it's a, it was a five for me. Fair enough. Fair enough, Jeff. That's a, yeah, a fair enough. Uh, let's find out how much you remember the film, though, Hugh. I've, some of these are quite tricky. Some of these are quite easy. Uh, I have gone quite specific with some of them. We'll see how you do. As is always the way, Hugh's our our recruit, our new recruit to the film. So Hugh's going to get first stab at the quiz question. If he gets it wrong or doesn't know, Ben will step in and definitely get it right. I have written seven, but a couple of them I might not use because uh, they've been mentioned. So we'll see how it goes, basically. First question. <laughs> okay. First question, possibly the most difficult. Um, what does the CC stand for in uh, CC Baxter? It's, he mentions it once right at the start. He says it as well, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, crikey. Um, Charlie Chester? I can't remember. But I know it's not Charlie. It's like it's... Um, it's quite a posh name, isn't it? It is. I want to say Carruthers, Charles. but I don't think it's Carruthers. No, no, but I see you. See you thinking there. Do you want another guess, or shall I just give you it? Go, for, go. Tell me. Put me out of misery. Calvin. 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 Clifford. Calvin. C for Calvin. C for Clifford. Uh, question yeah. two, Hugh. How much does Sheldrake give Fran as a Christmas present? hundred dollars hundred dollars yeah which apparently due to inflation would be more like nine hundred dollars now um not bad question three you've already mentioned the answer to this so i'm going to flip the question and change it slightly um so 
the original question was what kind of hat but Hugh how much does Baxter pay for the bowler hat I've no idea I can't remember him even mentioning him paying for it how much he paid for it um, $35 Ben what would you think it's something like a 20 given, it's 15 to 20 something like that $15 yeah given that his rent is about $70 or something like that mm. makes more sense um, Hugh you might like this as a history buff the doctor refers to Buddy uh, slash Baxter as a regular king who and he was a king of Egypt in the 20th century King Croesus no. or in the 20th century yeah uh, the last king of Egypt apparently according to IMDb or widely regarded as last king of Egypt eh, well the last king of Egypt was wasn't a king it was a queen it was uh, mm. how can the last king of Egypt be a queen <laughs> Well, this is why it makes sense because because then the Romans were in charge. Known for his then the lavish lifestyle, apparently. NASA. <laughs> no. Baxter. Uh, Baxter. Uh, I've got Baxter on the mind. It's the film. Any ideas, Ben? I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure. I can't remember it. I can't remember the line. He ca- he, he calls him a regular king Farouk. Farouk. Mm. Uh. Was he king of Egypt? I didn't know that he was king uh, of Egypt. Re- first of all, a regular king, Farouk, uh, 1920 to 1965, was one of the last kings of Egypt. He was renowned for his extravagant lifestyle, lifestyle and an international playboy with many marriages and mistresses. I have heard of him. Proper lad. I didn't realise he was king. I thought he was like a president or something. Oh, well, I can't fact check any of this stuff. Um, <laughs> Hugh, if you laid all 8 million, etc., New Yorkers end-to-end from Times Square, to where would they stretch? It's Karachi in Pakistan. Very good, very good, well done. Um, how many colds does the average New Yorker have every year? Two and a half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and final question, spell Kubelik. She's Miss Kubelik, Kubelik. Oh, Kubelik, isn't it? Um, I wrote this down earlier and it took me ages to write it down. K-U-B-L-I-E-K. Oh, you're pretty close. Ben, do you want to correct that? Do you know the uh, correct spelling? Uh, it's K-U... Uh, K- uh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> K-U-B-E-L-I-K. There we go. So we know that Hugh wouldn't recommend this film. Ben, obviously, you would recommend this film. And uh, Yeah, any, any final thoughts, lads, on uh, The Apartment? I was just disappointed. I was expecting yeah. a classic golden oldie and... Yeah, it wasn't. It was oldie, but it wasn't a golden. <laughs> Just that. I hope you check out more Billy Wilder films, especially. Uh, there's a good one called Ace in the Hole. That's good. And uh, um, I think you've seen. Did you say you've not seen Sunset Boulevard? That's great. Yeah. Check that out. You'll like that. So Ben, have you seen, have you seen all of them now? <laughs> no, I've not seen all of them. He's done a lot of films. A lot of them aren't very good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think we'll, we'll we'll be returning to Wilder in the future. Witness for the prosecution. Um, that's good. That's the number one, is it? That's the one we need to watch. Would you, if we had to watch that or Sunset Boulevard, which one would you recommend? Oh, if you're not seeing Sunset Boulevard, you probably should watch that. I just like courtroom dramas. Right. I'm a big fan of courtroom dramas. So yeah, I love them. If I you like, awesome. if you're a fan of courtroom dramas like me, what what? It's got a good twist. Right. Okay. Well, I'm watching. I'm all the way in. So Hugh, what remains to be asked is. Uh, what are we going to watch next week? So next week, Sam, we're going to go to 1993, 
pitching the scene. Uh, Harrison Ford is a fugitive in a <laughs> film called, surprisingly, The Fugitive. Oh, the Fugitive. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, what do you know about The Fugitive, Sam? Uh, I've seen bits of the scene where he's over, is it a dam or something like that? He's in a big pipe. And yeah. he's got the choice between being shot or jumping out. I know from watching Scrubs that the janitor's in it. He, um, that's a, a bit of a storyline where the janitor says, I used to be an actor, I was in The Fugitive, and like did that. And because he lies all the time, JD's like, you definitely weren't. And then he watched, I think and then he watches The Fugitive and is like, oh my God, it's him. And he refuses it. He, he's like, no, it definitely wasn't me. <laughs> I've, I've got the timeline. But basically he refuses, the, he, he denies the fact that he was an actor. And then towards the end of the episode, like, does the pose and says the line to show the actor, <laughs> wasn't it? So that's a bit meta, and I'm pretty sure the actor who plays right. the is in it. I don't even, I, you know, it's it's a long time since I've seen it, so it's going to be interesting to, yeah. to go back and watch it, So I presumably he didn't kill... Oh, and also Arbed plays it, but he's got lots of people uh, doing role plays and, and uh, celebrity lookalikes, so he didn't kill his wife, but he's on the run for the murder of his wife, is what I can only assume. I, I don't know how I'm going to feel about it, obviously. I watched um, Sleeping with the Enemy recently, wow. and I think this might be in that same ballpark of sort of cheesy but entertaining action, uh, cheesy action stuff of the 80s and 90s. Why did you watch Sleeping yeah. with the Enemy? That's such a throwback. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was just it was just a bit of a sort of film date night with my partner, and she said, "Oh yeah, let's watch this." I've, I remember liking this. I think the one thing I would say is it's it's quite similar in terms of its tone, maybe to something like The Hunt for Red October. So right, you might not, you might not love it because I know. Yeah, that you I get that sense. It's probably a bit of a boring, bland man film, but you know, I've been surprised <laughs> yeah, it's a man, by boring a man, man film, as you like to call them. Mm. I like that. But yeah. Um, so yeah, so Great that's stuff. for next week. Well, Q, if they want to get in touch with us, tell us how amazing Ben was, how wrong you are about the apartment, how great the fugitive is. How could they do that? So what they need to do is they need to get themselves kind of working for like you know an insurance company or something like that, course, yeah. potentially in New York. But if you can't make New York, just try and get an insurance company, and then through you know elaborate sort of setups, find yourself lending the key to your apartment to like maybe people higher up in the position people who've got Uh, access to the emails for example yeah and then perhaps maybe one day while they're using your apartment of sex um you can use their office email computer and email us at please watch this dot pod at gmail.com yeah if you can think of another way by all means i can't so I would also suggest while you're on their computer, while they're having actual full penetrative sex in your abode, <laughs> go to internet browser. On your sheets. HTTP um, colon, colon <laughs> slash slash www.twitter.com forward slash please watch pod. And you'll find us on Twitter at please watch pod. You'll also find um, our good friend Dakota at ContraZoom pod. Just give him another throughout. Why not? Oh, we're just giving him a message. Listen nice. to us talking about sports. Ben, if they want to listen to your podcast output, is it best to just stick with the Please Watch Pod stuff? Or this is, this is my podcast satanic, output, uh, Sam. As you all know. <laughs> this, is your, this is your output. Uh, this is, well, Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Above well, it's board, great yeah. having you on again, Ben. Yeah, it's good to be Always on. Always a pleasure. Part of the furniture. It's, yeah. It's time to go, I think, isn't it? It is. Uh, Hugh, I love the listener. I need to admit that. 
He does. Uh, oh, uh, do we he would to... let them into his apartment. We're going to go for a break, by the way. We're having a break. Oh, yeah. I'll mention this on social media. We, you know, we've been going for two and a bit years now, 93 episodes. Football is on constantly for <laughs> about a month. So we are not going to release an episode now for more than a month. Um, we will be coming back sometime in mid-July, potentially slightly earlier, but we're going to be away yeah. for a while. I'll, I'll yeah. put it all over social media so you do not expect it on your timeline. We are away for a while. Yeah, we're having our early summer holiday, aren't we? We are. A rare, proper holiday from podcasting, although we love it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah speak to you in about five weeks yeah <laughs> maybe, maybe the uh, maybe the maybe the computers have taken over by then who knows almost certainly almost certainly <laughs> alright it is time for us to go but listen we love yeah. you and thank you again Ben you're always a gentleman yeah thanks, thanks. <laughs> bye bye bye, bye.